This morning, we continue on in our series entitled Our Journey with Jesus as we look together at some spiritual disciplines that will help to, to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. Because more than anything else, we want to be a group of people who look like Jesus, who talk like Jesus, who love like Jesus. And as we make this journey together, we want to encourage one another and to challenge one another. Last week, we looked at the discipline of letting go. And we talked about the need to let go of anything in our lives that may be hindering our relationship with God. Because it is possible for our lives to be so full, so full of stuff and so full of activities that we don't have any room for God. And so before we can fill our lives with God, we need to create some uh, empty space. This morning, I want us to look at the spiritual discipline of welcoming or showing hospitality. I love the old story I heard many years ago about the new preacher who loaded up his car with his large family and they drove out to visit an, an old deacon on his farm. After everyone in the family had introduced themselves, there was this awkward pause as the, the unexpected guest looked for chairs to sit on. But the deacon's living room only had two chairs in it. And so the preacher said, well, brother, I don't believe you have enough chairs. And the old man said, that ain't the problem. Got plenty of chairs, just got too much company. And I understand hospitality doesn't come easy for all of us. But the New Testament is clear that showing hospitality is one of the identifying marks of a Christian. Peter must have had Christians like that in mind when Peter said, show hospitality to one another without grumbling, he said. In Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul said to the Christians of Rome, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And then a few chapters later, he said in Romans 15, welcome one another therefore as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And the Hebrew writer said, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. And so showing hospitality was, was especially expected of those who were leaders in the church. In both 1 Timothy and Titus, where, where Paul lists the qualifications of an elder, one of those qualifications in both of those lists is that he must be hospitable. In 1 Timothy 5, where Paul is talking about widows that the church ought to support, he says to only support those who have shown hospitality, which all seems to place a lot of emphasis on something that we don't talk much about in the church. In fact, I'm not even sure that we even understand or appreciate what hospitality is. And so, what is hospitality? For example, if I were to ask you, how do you show hospitality? You would probably say it's when you invite your family or your friends or somebody from church over for dinner. And I suppose you could certainly say that that's hospitality on one level. But that's not what the Bible is talking about when it uses that word hospitality. The Greek word for hospitality is the word philo philoxenia. Uh, and it, and it actually is composed of two other Greek words uh, that maybe you're familiar with. The first half is, is the Greek word philo, uh, which you may recognize as being one of the Greek words for love. And then the second half is the Greek word xenia, uh, 
And that may not sound familiar to you, but you've probably heard of xenophobia, especially over the past year and a half or so. Xenophobia is a fear of people from other countries or the fear of strangers. And so xenia means strangers. Now, when you put those two pieces together, philoxenia literally means to show love to strangers. Or to put it another way, hospitality is taking the sort of kindness that you normally reserve for your friends or for your family and showing that same sort of kindness to strangers who are in need. And that takes hospitality to a whole new level. Because we would like to think that we've been hospitable when we invite people from church over for dinner, people that we know, people that we get along with. But in the Bible, and for the most part of church history, hospitality has been about welcoming needy strangers. You know, I think Jesus made this clear when he told the story of the, of the Good Samaritan that we find in Luke chapter 10, uh, when Jesus uh, told a lawyer to love your neighbor as yourself, the lawyer responded by asking, okay, but who is my neighbor? Is he the guy who lives next door or the guy that I go to church with or the guy who lives across town? And of course, Jesus told the story about a Samaritan, a man who was hated for being from a different country with a different religion to make the point that your neighbor is anyone who is in need. And so hospitality towards strangers is the very essence of hospitality. And maybe a part of the reason uh, that, that, we, that we don't place a high value on the practice of welcoming needy strangers is that uh, in our culture today, most of us don't know what it's like to be a needy stranger. Now, in ancient times, there were very few inns. And the ones they did have tended to be like, they're not very desirable. And so if someone was traveling, they, they wouldn't stay in the inn. Rather, they would plan to spend the night in the city square, hoping that perhaps some kind resident might invite them to spend the night and prepare a meal for them. Now to us, this would be absolutely unthinkable. I mean, it would be dangerous. It would be considered irresponsible. But that's why hospitality was so important. Maybe some of you can remember a day when preachers would travel to a church to hold a gospel meeting for them, and the normal thing to do was for that preacher to stay in somebody's home for a week or so and, and eat in somebody else's home every night. Even back in those days, local motels weren't very nice, and there weren't a lot of restaurants to eat out at. Home cooking was a lot better than eating out. But nowadays, if a preacher comes to preach a revival meeting, it's kind of considered rude to expect him to have to stay in somebody's house. And he may eat all of his meals at restaurants because restaurant food and local hotels are generally pretty excellent in quality these days, sometimes even better than some homes. And that's true not only of preachers, but everyone else as well. Most of us have sufficient resources so that we don't need to depend on the personal hospitality of strangers for, for food or for shelter or for safety. Uh, when we travel away from home, uh, we usually eat our meals in restaurants and we sleep in a comfortable hotel. And unless we travel in a foreign country or, or we live through the devastation of a storm or an earthquake or, or we run into car trouble on the road, we're pretty unlikely to know what it's like 
to be vulnerable, to be a vulnerable stranger needing someone else's help. In fact, in, in a highly uh, individualistic society like ours, uh, depending on the generosity of others is difficult for us to do. And sometimes it, it just feels downright degrading to us. And so as a result, uh, whereas in ancient times all strangers depended on someone's hospitality to, to, hospitality to get by, uh, today it's only those who are poor, only those who have no resources of their own who are in need of the provision of food and shelter and protection that characterizes hospitality. But you know what? I think, uh, I think we can expand the definition of hospitality from the love of strangers to a willingness to show love to everyone and to care for others in need no matter who they are. Jesus made it clear that we need to, to get beyond the comfort zone of our own neighborhood or social group. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors. They'll invite you back and, and that will be your only reward, he said. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. And so what Jesus describes here is familiar to us because we all tend to invite only those people into our homes that we like. And we expect for them to repay the favor someday and invite us into their homes. But Jesus said that love cannot be dished out on the basis of what we might get in return. And hospitality is not defined by fine linen tablecloths or, or elegant crystal or gourmet cooking. Rather, it consists of a generous heart and a welcoming spirit that leads to tangible expressions of care for others. And perhaps most importantly, it includes a genuine concern for those people who are different from us. You know, the idea of welcoming strangers was, was nothing new to the early Christians because welcoming strangers was an important practice all through the Old Testament. Uh, in the Torah, uh, the law of Moses, the Hebrew people who, who'd experienced harsh oppression in a foreign land, they were taught to treat strangers in their midst with generosity and, and with respect. God commanded them in Exodus chapter 23, he said, you must not oppress foreigners. You know what it's like to be a foreigner, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. And so God says there was a time when you were a stranger. You were the one nobody recognized because you were from a foreign country. And so this idea of sympathy and identity with strangers is a recurring theme in the Old Testament. But we see this love of strangers expressed even before we get to the law of Moses. Remember what happened to those three strangers uh, who, who came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18? Uh, we read there that Abraham was sitting at the entrance of, to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and he noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and he welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. 
And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. And so although Abraham had addressed the leader of this group as Lord, he didn't realize that this actually was God in the flesh. These were angels. But Abraham, he didn't know that. I mean, at the time, he simply thought they were men. He gradually became aware of their true identity, but as soon as he saw these men, he ran to greet them, and he bowed down uh, before them. And then he said, take a seat in the cool spot here and rest. Let me wash your feet. Let me fix you something to eat. And hey, don't miss the significance of what happens next here, because Abraham tells Sarah to take three measures of flour and make some bread. Three measures, or, or sias, would have been about 20 quarts of flour. Folks, that's, that's going to make a lot of bread, you know. Some translations say that Abraham, Abraham had said to them, let me bring you a morsel of bread. And this was a lot more than a morsel. And on top of that, Abraham killed and served the meat from an entire calf. I mean, there's no way that, that these three men could eat that much food. But offering food and water and rest to a, a total stranger was typical behavior in that culture. And it still is among the Bedouins of that culture. There's a website that describes the Bedouin, uh, Bedouin community of, in great detail, and it says on that page that hospitality, hospitality is the highest Bedouin virtue, it says. Uh, the website says a, a complete stranger could stay as long as three days without being asked of his whereabouts. He was considered and treated as a guest and enjoyed the clan's full protection. And so what Abraham did was normal for that culture. But he took his hospitality to an extreme level. And of course, those three strangers turned out to be messengers of God. And, and that story provides the basis in Judaism for providing hospitality. You welcome strangers because you never know who they might be. I mean, they could be sent by God himself, which is why the Hebrew writer said, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. When we come to Jesus, we're not surprised to find this same quality of hospitality. Now, if we limit hospitality to simply inviting somebody into our home, we don't find Jesus doing that a lot simply because he spent so much of his time traveling. But we do see it in John chapter 2 where Jesus told Peter and Andrew to, to come to where he was staying and they went and they stayed with him that day. But showing hospitality is not just providing meals, uh, which is one reason I chose to use the word welcoming to describe, the, uh, to describe this discipline. Uh, Jesus was definitely someone who welcomed others. I mean, it was actually a central theme of both his teaching and his practice. Uh, this idea of hospitality is found in his stories, stories like the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. But more importantly, Jesus' welcoming spirit is seen in the way that he treated everyone he met. Uh, 
I mean, even the lowest and the most neglected members of society. Jesus consistently showed his concern and his care for those who were in the margins. And in fact, he was such a welcoming person that it made him a, a scandal to those who were not uh, very welcoming. Uh, no one before Jesus uh, had ever taken hospitality as far as he did. And the early Christians became passionate about demonstrating uh, philoxenia. And they showed a radical love toward those who were uh, on the margins of their society. Uh, society, uh, the sick, uh, you know, the hungry, uh, the homeless, uh, destitute widows, weary travelers. And, and by doing that, uh, they made a, a, a tremendous impact on the world around them. In fact, it, I think it may well be said that it was the church's practice of hospitality that was the number one reason why they were able to grow into the, this dominant religion by the fourth century. Uh, you may find it hard to see how hospitality could make that much of a difference, but keep in mind how different that made them from everyone else around them. Uh, for example, uh, catastrophic plagues raged through Europe during the second and the third century, killing hundreds of thousands of people, perhaps even millions. At the height of one epidemic, it is said that 5,000 people a day were dying in Rome. And while everybody else was running as hard as they could to get away from this sickness, Christians risked their lives, and they compassionately ministered in the name of Christ to those who were sick and dying. And the really surprising thing was that they took care of pagans who were sick as well as fellow Christians. And they took notice, the people did, so that after the plague was over, many survivors who owed their lives to Jesus' followers began to follow Jesus themselves. And the church flourished because of their uh, hospitality uh, to the sick. Hospitality took new forms in the centuries to follow. Uh, throughout the ancient world, Christians established hospitals. Uh, notice the similarity between hospital and hospitality. And so they set up these hospitals but, but these weren't hospitals in the sense that we think of hospitals. We think of a hospital as a place where doctors take care of sick people. But when these early Christians set up hospitals, they were actually places of hospitality. The Greek word for hospital was xenodokia, which means a house for strangers or a house for guests. And so these Christian hospitals were houses where they took care of people with all sorts of needs, widows and orphans and strangers and the poor and travelers, as well as those who were uh, sick. Uh, the unbelieving world had never seen anything like this kind of concern, and it absolutely astonished them. And not only did they say of these Christians, see how they love one another, but they also marveled and they said to themselves, see how they love us, people who aren't even of their faith. Around the turn of the fourth century, uh, century we read about the church in the city of Antioch. Uh, they started providing for the poor people in their city, and before long they were feeding 3,000 widows and unmarried women every day, because in that culture women typically couldn't work. 
And they also took care of the prisoners in the city and the sick. They took care of the disabled. They took care of people who were traveling and who uh, were away from home. And the amount of hospitality shown by Christians in the ancient world is just staggering. And it ought to inspire us to develop a welcoming spirit, both in our personal lives and in the life of the church. So why should we show hospitality? Well, I want to give you three reasons why we should. Uh, number one, hospitality flows out of a grateful response to God's generosity. Remember that this was the primary thing that motivated the Jewish people to show hospitality. During the time they lived in Egypt, they were the foreigners. They were the strangers. But God always took care of them. God protected them and he provided for them. He was very generous with them. And so when a Jew came across someone who was needy and who was vulnerable, he was supposed to remember his roots. He was supposed to remember where he came from. He was supposed to remember that he owed his very existence to the generosity and the kindness of God. And Israel was supposed to treat others with the same hospitality, that same generosity. And while we have never been slaves in another country, I think we all can remember just how much love God has shown to us, even at times when others didn't maybe even want much to do with us. I think it's like what Paul said uh, to the Gentile Christians at Ephesus when he said, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. We've all experienced what it's like to be on the outside, to feel unwanted, uh, to feel unnoticed. But God, through His grace and through His love, has pulled us into His family. And so it only makes sense that we would want to open our hearts and our lives and our homes to other needy people out of an overflowing gratitude for all that God has done for us. God welcomes us, and so we welcome others. That's one reason for hospitality. But a second reason is that hospitality is one of the ways that we express our love for Jesus. Uh, we're familiar with the parable of the sheep and the goats. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 25, he said, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to see me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we do all that stuff? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And so let's be honest. If we knew that Jesus were to actually walk through the doors of our, of our church, if he were to enter our sanctuary some Sunday morning, we would fall all over ourselves to show him attention, to see if there's anything that he needs. But Jesus says, every time you help someone who's in need, and especially when you welcome a stranger, that you've done it to me. Um, you know, we as Christians ought to be constantly searching for people in need. 
welcoming, uh, welcoming them into our lives, finding ways to serve them, finding ways to meet their needs. Because when we pay attention to that needy stranger, then we are literally loving the Jesus to whom we sing all of our wonderful praise songs. We are loving Jesus in a tangible way. And then thirdly, hospitality gives us the opportunity to be like God. In Luke chapter 14, right after Jesus said, when you throw a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, he went on and he told a parable about a man who threw a banquet. And when those that the man had invited didn't show up, he said to his servant in Luke 14 verse 21, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And Jesus said that, that that's what the kingdom of God is like. You know, the early church saw hospitality as an imitation of God. And that's so important. Because we don't help people just because it's a nice thing to do. We don't do it to, to make us feel better about ourselves. We do it in order to imitate God. We do it to become like Jesus who invites everyone to his table and so when we show hospitality to people who, who our society looks down upon, the ones who are vulnerable to injustice and exploitation, uh, the powerless, the poor, the widow, the fatherless, uh, the elderly, the mentally ill, the seriously disabled, we become imitators of God. When we open our hearts and when we open our homes and when we make room at our tables and our spare rooms for the ones who have no ability to, uh, to repay us for our kindness, we become imitators of God. Now, from a theological standpoint, hospitality is not a small thing. It's a part of what it means to be like God and to be like Jesus which is why the early Christians not only gathered for worship with one another, but they extended hospitality to everybody around them who was in need, including total strangers. Let me ask one more question before I close here today. If showing hospitality, you know, if welcoming others is so important, then why does it seem to be so rarely practiced among Christians? And the reason I say that it's rarely practiced is because I've witnessed it. And I suspect that you have too. I mean, how many of you have ever visited another church when you're on vacation or something and you've gone in and you've sat down and you spent an hour in worship and you left without even one person speaking to you? I mean, how do we expect to show love towards strangers and to meet their needs if we can't even be bothered to say hello when one of them is sitting right next to us? Uh, how does that work? Now, personally, uh, I think uh, that many of you do an outstanding job of welcoming those who come into our midst. And so I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes this morning, but generally speaking, you know as well as I do that Christians often don't do a very good job of this. And there are many churches who don't seem to do anything to meet the needs of people in their community. And so why is that? Why are we so hesitant to show hospitality? And I think there are probably numerous reasons why, but I want to just point out three that come to my mind. Uh, first of all, we like being comfortable. 
And showing love to others will often take us out of our comfort zone, will make us uncomfortable. It means that I have to actually make an effort to find out what your needs are. And then I have to make an effort to meet those needs. I mean, it's much more comfortable for me just to ignore the strangers around me and slip out the door and get back to my house and sit back and enjoy myself. And then secondly, and this relates directly to what I preached about last week, Secondly, many of us are just too busy to meet the needs of others. Our lives are so busy, crowded with appointments and with ball games and deadlines and, and countless activities. Hospitality takes time, and we can't do it if our lives are already full. And then thirdly, and, and perhaps this is the biggest, the biggest reason why we're hesitant to show hospitality to strangers, and that's simply fear. We're afraid people of, of people we don't know. Afraid of someone who's different from us. Afraid of being harmed or afraid of being rejected. But we have to realize that showing love always involves taking a risk. Always. If those early Christians had been afraid of, of getting the plague and had not taken the risk of helping others who were sick, they never would have shown hospitality. And the world around them never would have seen Jesus living through them. And now, I'm not saying that we should be foolish. Uh, that, that, that single women should be bringing men in off the street to feed them in their homes. I'm not saying that. There are things that we can do to be cautious. But in the end, love is always taking a chance. And as long as we're motivated primarily by fear, we will do nothing. And the world will never see Jesus living through us. I want to close with these words from uh, Max Licato. Max Licato writes, Not everyone can serve in a foreign land, lead a relief effort, or volunteer at the downtown soup kitchen. But who can't be hospitable? Do you have a front door, a table, chairs, bread and meat for sandwiches? Congratulations, he writes. You just qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries, hospitality. Something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen in a sanctuary. In, in a church auditorium, you see the backs of heads. Around the table, you see the expressions on faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks, but around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock. Around the table, there is time to talk. Hospitality opens the door for uncommon community. It's no accident that hospitality and hospital come from the same Latin word, for they both lead to the same result, healing. When you open your door to someone, you are sending this message, you matter to me and you matter to God. You may think you're saying, come over for a visit, but what your guest hears is, I'm worth the effort. Folks, love will always seek to welcome the stranger, to reach out to the outcast, to feed the hungry, comfort the sorrowful, shelter the destitute. The question is, 
are we willing to be Jesus to those who are in need around us, both as a church and as individuals?